Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. It's Nick here, and today I am very, very excited to bring you an episode which I know is going to give you heaps and heaps and heaps of value. So today's episode is the four things as a CEO or a founder you cannot delegate in your business. So I've been a CEO in my corporate career. I've obviously been a founder, uh, started up my own businesses. So I've been the kind of entrepreneurial leader in those. And what I'm getting into today is the real definition as far as I'm concerned of what that sort of CEO title is. It gets lots of misconceptions. In some cases, people who have who look at it from the outside, they see it as this kind of grand desk role that you know, you call yourself on a business card. Certainly it used to be like that. I don't think it's quite like that anymore. But the key thing for me is, you know, if you're the leader of business and if you've been a CEO, it isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And you've got to be very, very clear about what your role is and what your role isn't. And that is what I want to get into today. So this episode, even if you're starting a business and you're going to call yourself that title, whatever it is, founder, CEO, take heed of this because as you're starting to build your business, the same four principles are going to be important to you. I call them the drivers of performance, certainly when you're in that that seat. And you know what, even if you're already in the sort of scale-up journey and you've got a team, I'm going to give you some stuff today which may make you think a little bit differently about some of the decisions you've made. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. Of course, you know, I always say when we're on this journey, we are, we're going to make mistakes. And that's cool because you, know, you never fail until you give up, right? So you've got to keep on trying things and seeing what works for you. But that said, you know, there's some things today which you may think a little bit differently. Now, before I get into the content today, as always, thank you very, very much for all the support. Uh, really helping lots of people, which I'm thrilled about, and getting lots of people commenting and now coming back and sort of you know, starting to shape the show and give me some ideas for future episodes. So again, if that's something that you've been considering for the last few weeks as you've been listening to the episodes, please, you know, if there's more that you want me to get into on any specific topic, uh, one of the big ones that's coming up soon, which I'm really pleased to announce, is we're going to be doing a lot more on buying, scaling, and selling businesses. And even if you've got a business at the moment, you know, why it's a good time to look at maybe acquiring other businesses to bolt onto your business. So that's one that's definitely come from the community, and I'm going to be doing more on that over the coming weeks. So as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, if you haven't done so already, leave a review. It certainly helps, and as I said, I like to take in that feedback and use that to improve the show. So before I get started on the specifics, the the sort of four things today, uh, I just want to introduce you to one of my mentors. So for a number of years now, I've been following the work of a guy called Keith J. Cunningham. And if you haven't read any of his stuff, I really recommend that you do so. It's worth a Google search. He's 
He's been involved in business for 45 years or so and runs a number of different programs for entrepreneurs. He's based out of the US, I think it's uh, Texas actually, and he's got a couple of programs called Keys to the Vault, How You Raise Money, uh, The Ultimate Sort of Blueprint for Insanely Successful Business, The Road Less Stupid, which is one of my favorite books, particularly if you're a CEO. So have a look for uh, Keith J. Cunningham. And just, just in terms of who he is, if you've ever read the amazing book by Robert Kiyosaki, which is called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So let me just stop for a second. If you haven't read that book, add it to your top five, you know, whatever your order of reading books is. I try and read a book a week. Get that in your top five because if you want to get a really good understanding of how money works for you and against you, how to invest, how to get the psychology of wealth, that's the playbook. Certainly the beginner playbook, the one that I, I sort of recommend for people starting out. And just to kind of square the circle on this, Keith J. Cunningham in that book is the rich dad. Okay, so I won't say any more because you've got to read the book, but rich dad, poor dad, Keith is the rich dad and you'll get an understanding of why I am impressed by what he does and I've certainly learned a lot about his thinking in the businesses that I've run. So some of today is uh, ideas, if you like, that I've, I've learned through Keith, uh, but as always, it's with my spin on them, my understanding of them, so that I can give you the value of my experience, and hopefully that helps you. Okay, so let's kick off. So as I said, the four things a CEO or a founder can't delegate the drivers of performance. So I, I think in business and in life, what you can't see is often the thing that can kill you. So let me contextualize that for you because it's a bit of a dramatic statement. So if you think about it in life, if someone's ill, you know, unfortunately they get a disease, it could be a chronic disease, they often don't know they have that disease until it's too late. So there's things going on in your body that you know you have no awareness of unless you're crazily um, astute and fastidious about getting yourself checked out. And you know when you do find out you've got one of those things, as I said, it's often too late and, and that's an issue. So the same principle, as far as I'm concerned, happens in business. And that's why I'm such a big believer in metrics. I've done a whole episode on why you should be measuring stuff in your business. Getting lots of feedback now that people are doing that, so awesome, really pleased. Uh, if you haven't done that, uh, here's a bit of a nudge. <laughs> Go back and have a look. So the first thing then that you can't delegate, in my opinion, is what we call the obstacle and the strategy. So let me unpack that for you because I, I appreciate that's a bit obscure. But if you think of business as, you know, certainly when you're leading a business, you've got where you are going now and you've got where you should be going. Now, very rarely, and I, you know, some people kind of, when I have conversations with them, feel that their business is fully on track. And I always say it's exactly like I, I mentioned before, you know, you, you're not looking at everything. You've got to have, I wouldn't say it's a paranoia, but you've got to have a fixation of where your business is going and understand the gap between where you are today and where you need to be. And there's always something. I mean, business is organic. It's never going to be perfect. It's a little bit like, you know, I use the plane analogy, which I've used beforehand. If you're going from A to B in a plane, quite often it's about, and same with sailing, if you've ever been on a yacht, it's about sort of tacking backwards and forwards. It's about constantly adjusting so that, you know, you're taking into account your environment and all the things that are going on so that you can then get yourself to where you want to be. It's never that you just 
set something and don't have to take any additional action. So if your vision, your goal is the where you wanna be and the is, if you like, is where you are now, your strategy is the decisions, the priorities of how you're going to get there, okay? So really simple, that's my definition of strategy. It's the choices that you make. But the obstacle is the thing that's going to get in the way. And as a founder, as a CEO, you have to be very, very clear as to what that obstacle is. Now this is where people can get quite confused and I, and I do appreciate that it is never, it's never just that easy, but you have to sort of think of the obstacle can sometimes be, you know, you gotta think about the symptom, the cause here. So is the symptom that you're not getting enough customers, what's the cause of that? Is it that the proposition isn't clear? I can tell you now, it's not that you need to do your website again. <laughs> it's probably something a little bit deeper, but you need to create what I call thinking time. And I covered this a little bit on a recent episode around work-life balance, but you need to ask yourself the question, what is the real problem? What is the thing that your business is going to? What can I do today to improve my situation? And what is the real problem that is in the way? Yeah? So just, just take that in for a second. You know, if you can understand that, you're gonna be very, very clear on you know, what it is that your strategy needs to be. So thinking time is literally where you have, to, you have to ask better questions. There's a really, really good quote. I forget who it's by, but I th- it could, be, could even be Einstein. But it's something like, smart people have really good answers, but genius, geniuses have really good questions. And why is that the case? Because the answers keep on changing. We're in a dynamic world, a dynamic environment. So as I said, the first thing, really simply, you cannot delegate the obstacle and the strategy. You have to own that. You can get advisors, you can get mentors. It's not about trying to solve the problem for yourself, but you must own that problem, okay? Straightforward, so that's the first one. So you cannot delegate that in my opinion. Okay, second thing is, what are you going to prioritize, okay? Simple again but most of the things I I try and communicate on this show are relatively simple, uh, but not everyone does them. So prioritization, what does prioritization mean? If you create a long list, and a long list as far as I'm concerned is more than five items, probably over a 90 day block, then you haven't got any prioritization, you've got a to-do list, okay? (laughs) Again, a little bit hard hitting, but you know, take it in. In many cases, the people I see who are having the most success, and if I look back when I've had the most success, it's when I've probably had less than three, yeah? And what you're trying to do is you're trying to, I suppose, build the machine that's gonna overcome the obstacle that's gonna get you to where you need to be, yeah? So if you understand where you're going, you understand where you are today, you understand the obstacle, what you're prioritizing over, as I said, a 90-day block is, is certainly how I recommend it, is the machine that's going to get you to overcome the obstacle. So the secret here, as far as I'm concerned, is it's how you then choose to allocate your resources to build the machine, to overcome the obstacle, to get to where you want to be. Now, some people, when you know, I talk about this, and particularly the more creative people in the community, the visionaries, the ones who are into the romantic nature of startup and creating a fantastic 
solution to solve a problem. And I love all that. You know, I know I, I absolutely get that. They sort of go, well, this, this sounds a little bit like process again. But one of the things that was told to me by one of my mentors is that opportunity without structure is chaos. And in many cases, the price for entrepreneurial success is structure. So that doesn't mean that it's all structure and no creativity and no innovation. It just means that as you're going in, particularly in scale up, it's the structure and the infrastructure and how you think about the prioritization and allocation of resources, I almost call it the secret, that's the thing that's gonna take you from startup to scale up very quickly and very successfully, okay? So just take that on board for a second. It's what you're gonna prioritize. Now the way, the way to do this, just to give you a bit of a tip on this, is again, it comes back to planning. So if you are working to 90 day blocks, which I hope a lot of you are starting to do because you can take action with much more intention and urgency around that, you should be thinking what can you foreseeably do to build that machine over the next 90 days? And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be that you're having a look at your marketing plan to bring it back to, to obviously my sort of domain expertise a bit. And you, know, you need to invest a little bit more in in a certain tactic, it could be LinkedIn prospecting, it could be testing Facebook ads, depends on what your business is. And you wanna get the, the processes right to test that with the right intention, with the right impact over that period of time. It could be that you're restructuring your teams and that's a massive priority. So that's the one thing that you need to achieve over the next 90 days, which is gonna get you through the obstacle. Because the obstacle could be that you just, you've just got too much instability. You haven't got the right people in the right seats. So the big thing you need to do is get that fixed within 90 days. So that becomes your number one priority because that's the biggest obstacle which allows you to get where get you to where you want to be. Okay, makes sense. So again, you cannot delegate this stuff. You can get advice, you can work with your team, but ultimately the decision and the accountability rests with you. Okay, so the third thing that I don't believe you can delegate as a CEO or a founder and when I say, just, just very quickly, when I say founder, I am assuming that you're taking the role as the leader. So that's the most important thing. I know some founders have CEOs in their business, but ultimately that's usually a little bit further along the entrepreneurial journey than what we're talking about on this program. So I am talking more about where your business is of a size that you're not quite at the stage to hire that person in. So you as the founder are taking on that role. So the third thing is the organization charts and align with that the who, the who's in your business, and the structure. So this is where I'm gonna kinda of get onto some of the, the more people-oriented things, and this is another area that's been uh, asked of me, if you like, in future episodes to get into. How do, you, how do you choose your team? How do you hire people? In some cases, how do you fire people? How do you manage that level of, so I suppose, candor? And there's a couple of things in here which I think are worth referencing. So. My personal view is if you want to get to where you want to get quickly, you should be having A players on your team. So what does that mean? What's an A player? And this is where I know a lot of you, particularly if you've already got teams are going, oh, I don't like this. I'm going to have to make some tough decisions. Nick's saying something that I know, I know in my gut is true, but oh, I'm a nice person. And yeah. okay, I'm going to get into that in a second because I know exactly what you're saying. And I don't disagree with it, but I'm gonna give you the, the objective pros and cons of how potentially you could be thinking of this. So what's an A player? 
my view is they have high internal emotional needs to succeed. So they have a focus, if you like, on delivering outcomes. So <laughs> if you interview someone and one of the things I say is, is how you do something is how you do everything. If you interview someone and they're alive, they're passionate, they have high energy, they're engaged, they're doing things in their life which you know, are on their terms, they have high standards, very often they're gonna bring those same attributes into your business. And when you think about it, what really are you asking people to do? If it comes back to, you know, if I join this together, if you're trying to overcome an obstacle, if you're trying to get to somewhere, you're looking for the attributes and skills to achieve tasks, to deliver outcomes that you can measure back to your, to your ultimate result, which is, which is business growth. So you wanna look at individuals who have got a track record of being able to deliver that, to be able to talk about it, because you really only care about the outcome. So most people these days, they interview and they interview based on skills. And I get that, but for me, it's more about attitude and outcomes. So if I'm interviewing someone and they've got the right attitude and they can demonstrate that they are 100% focused on all areas of their life, then that sort of person is gonna be very, very good, particularly in key roles, roles that I see as leadership roles, um, because I know that they're going to bring that attitude in. Now, another thing people ask me is, well, you know, should I employ someone based on experience versus attitude? And my answer to that is, is never, you know, blanket yes or no. It depends on the role. Sometimes you have to have technicians in your business who are specialists. That could be in sort of technology areas. It could be in financial. Certainly some of the more um, technical roles that you have to bring someone, you can't bring in someone who's gonna be your finance director for someone or a management accountant who, who hasn't really understood or understands the concept of accounting. But that said, I think there's always a percentage that you need to look at the attitude as well. So what I will never do is hire a brilliant technical expert who I don't think is gonna fit into the culture of the business and certainly isn't gonna have at least a gradient on the standards that the business needs. So don't make that mistake. And you know, some people also say, well, yeah, but I've got admin staff and they don't need to be this and whatever. Listen, if it, with admin staff or people who you can train up to have the skill to deliver the outcome, then you know, what you should be thinking about is do they have the right attitude? So if, if you think about this kind of skill set versus attitude piece, think of it as a percentages game. So if someone doesn't have to be technical, then 80% of what you're hiring is gonna be attitude, 20% where they are now and you can teach them the rest. It may be the opposite or it might be a 70-30 split on a very technical role, but you should definitely not be going much more than that because you cannot bring people into your organization that are gonna have a, detri a detrimental effect on what you're trying to do culturally. Absolutely huge, okay? So that's it, as simple as that. I did an episode recently on standards and a lot of that was focused on life, but it, it correlates into business. And I always say, and I found this to be true, that as the main, the main leader, the, the person who's accountable for the business, the tone of that business will always be set by you until you decide to become an owner investor and let someone else run the business for you. So if that is the case, your standards are gonna be something that need to be the hallmark of what the organization is and more often than not, those standards get translated into your company values. So that is what the customer ultimately sees.
So organization chart, who and structure, that's the third one. You can't delegate it, you can work with people, but you need to set the tempo, you need to set the tone. And the fourth one, which you're probably not gonna have any um, prizes for guessing, is culture, okay? Because it's very aligned with the third point. So number four is culture. And let me just unpack this a little bit with you, because culture is a funny one. When I've bought businesses before and I've gone in or I've been brought in by investors to do a turnaround, the first thing I start with is the people and the culture. And quite often I can spend six months just focused on that before we get into some of the other more structural and process things. Now, ultimately, it's not just about walking around to everybody every day and saying, how are you doing and, and being present. That is part of it. But what you find is you, know, you can get things like I've had, I've had sort of 50% increase in, in profits by just focusing on what I call the cultural dynamic. Because quite often there are changes that need to be made in business, particularly for going from turnaround to scale up to, to a, a you know, really successful, vibrant, growing company. But in the beginning, it's about energy. It's about setting a leadership position. It's about having the vision. It's about being clear. It's about candor as well. It's about being clear about what you say to people. And all of that is cultural. So even though it's the fourth thing I, I, I don't think you can delegate, I think it's probably, probably the most crucial. And I think it was Peter Drucker who said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And he is 100% right. So this is where people out there, you know, sometimes you think like I talk a lot about process and infrastructure and measurement. I'm saying all of this in the context of people and culture. So this is the most important thing. So let me just unpack it a little bit for you. It's funny, one of, the, one of the, my mentors said to me the other day, and I love this, the best example of culture, if, if you struggle to get your head around it, uh, is the Navy SEALs. There's a code, if you like, there, and everyone knows the code. And it's an extreme example, I get it, right? You're not supposed to run your business like some sort of Navy SEALs program, but there's a, there's a personal accountability, there's a joint accountability. If someone's falling behind, people are empowered to help them step up. So when you think about it, it's, it's quite an interesting thing. So let me just sort of pack how, how that was explained to me. And this will correlate, I think, a little bit to how you think about your culture and your business. So the first thing around culture is you know when you know, there's an absence of trust. So you've got to have trust. Um, these are the things I think that kill culture more than anything else. There's a fear of conflict, and that comes back to my point of candor. So if you're not prepared to have the tough conversation, that's much worse because in many cases, it shows people that you don't care enough. The third part is lack of commitment. That's commitment from you yourself if you're disengaged, but also your teams. Uh, fourth one is avoidance of accountability. And the fifth one is inattention of results. So they're the things that kill culture. So if you're thinking about culture, think about those five points. I'll just repeat them again so you get them. Absence of trust, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability, and inattention to results. In other words, not caring about performance. So when you're thinking about your culture and you're measuring your culture, let's say you go into the office you know, next week, let's say you're on vacation at the moment, go back in, just have a walk around and, and get a sense via the conversations you're having about whether these, any of these five elements are true. Because if, if that is the case, you probably need to do something about that. You need to at least think and reflect and think about how you can start to bring back uh, some 
some different tactics, if you like, which can start to improve. And the last thing I want to say on culture, because I get asked, well, how do you how do you do this culture piece? I, you know, as a, as a CEO, I'm you know a lot of a lot of the CEOs that I've worked with are quite sort of technical. They're in digital businesses, tech startups, and they're not as comfortable sometimes being that front-facing leader. There's two answers to that question. Firstly, if you're in a small business and you've taken on that role, you have to get comfortable or you have to work out who you're gonna bring in to do that. Yeah, so that's gonna be a key part of your decision-making process in scale-up. The second thing, and I say this because I believe it fully, is you've gotta act with authenticity and your own set or your own level of integrity. There's two parts to this, it's really simple. Do the right thing, okay, and you know what the right thing is. If you do something and it pulls at your gut, you know it's the wrong thing. Do the right thing, say what needs to be said, step up. And the second thing is, show that you care, yeah? And that means genuinely show that you care because there's different, different people have got different thoughts around this. I, I, some people say that the most important thing in your business is your customers. I, I say the most important thing in your business, particularly in scale-up, is your people, your employees. Because how they feel, how they're treated, is ultimately what's going to land with the customer. And if you've got an issue in that environment, then it's going to bring your business down very, very quickly. So in startup, where it's just you know, a couple of people, you and maybe your business partner, it might be a bit different. You know, arguably it's not, but it might be. But certainly when you start to build teams, when you're getting into sort of over 10 employees, certainly when you're getting over 20, 30, then your people are your most important. And you've got to be able to do the right thing, act with integrity, speak with candor, and show them that you care, genuinely care, because you know, ultimately, <laughs> And this is another polarizing comment, but I'm quite good at those. Uh, You're working for them. You're working for them because if you can give value to them and you can help them get get to where they need to be, they're going to help get you and your business to where you want to be. Okay, so that's it. That's it for today. So they are, in my opinion, with a little bit of help from my mentor, Keith Cunningham, the four things that as a CEO, as a founder, as a leader of your business, and, and ultimately this is applicable for not just startup to scale up, it can be in the corporate world, but these are the four things that you must own. You cannot delegate them. If you're delegating these things, my opinion is you're no longer the CEO and you need to work out what your role is going to be, and that might be the chairman, might be the president, you might be the owner investor. That's absolutely cool, but make sure that you're doing it on your terms and that's your decision. You're not doing it randomly, or more importantly, you're not doing it without knowing. So I hope you got lots of value out of that. I think there's heaps in this. I could have gone on probably much deeper into the four points, but it's worth going away and writing them down, creating two to three hours of thinking time and just start, you know, make some notes and just draw some comparisons about where you and your business are. And, and then have a think, do you need to change anything? And as I said, the reason I like the 90-day block system that I recommend is you can change things every 90 days. So you might be currently through one of your 90-day blocks that you've been working to and you might think, you know, now I need to change a bit. I'm going to change it now because I'm really clear on these things. And the obstacle is now becoming clearer and I'm, I'm now understanding where I need to prioritize across all the areas to be able to get the result that I need. So there we are, the drivers of performance. Thank you very much for listening. As I always say, if you've got any questions, if any of this is unclear, if you wanna get in touch and 
get some help from me, then please just find me. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Twitter. It's at Nick C. Bradley. Um, but yeah, anytime, just get in touch. I'm always grateful for that. And I hope this has been valuable for you today. So there we are. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now.